Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the UW Film Club podcast, where each week we invite a member of the club onto the show to talk about a movie of their choosing. Whether that movie be good, bad, topically relevant, or anything in between, it's all on the table. I'm one of your hosts, Jim Saunders, and joining the podcast is special guest Thomas. Hey, yo. How's it going? I was going to ask you how, how it's going for you. Not bad. It's, it's been midterms week, but mm-hmm. it's, it's going. Everything's going. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure when this is going to go out. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm having a, a tough time scheduling podcasts and when to record them uh, <laughs> during, not, yeah. during this week. It's been, it's been really busy for me. It's been really busy for Thomas. It's been really busy for a lot of and people. The quarter is whipping up, you know? It's, it's yeah, that it's, time of year. It is halfway. Whoa, we're halfway there. Whoa. Whoa, I don't know what I just did there. <laughs> <laughs> bon Jovi, what do you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So... Have you had time to watch any new movies or shows or anything? I've been watching Mr. Robot Season 4. How is that? I haven't it's, been watching any of it. Oh, God. I feel like... I don't want to spoil... Well, okay. Mr. Robot is good. Watch it. Sam, oh, yeah, no, for sure. Sam Raimi's the second coming of Christ. Sa- Wait, Sam Raimi does it? Not it was Sam Raimi. Is it Sam Raimi? Rami Esmail. Rami Esmail's the second coming no. of Christ. No... Sam Esmail. Sam Esmail? Uh, You're combining I'm that. combining Sam Esmail and Rami Esmail from, like, Vlambeer. Oh, God. Well, no, because Rami Malek is the lead actor. Yes. That's where you're getting that from. <laughs> no, but I give, I give season one through three my full endorsement. So It's very good. And yeah. season four, I think, is trying to tie off a ribbon off very, very hard bowl to carry down, I think. Mm-hmm. So... It's a good time. It's a good time, though. I also finished watching Legion, which was very good on FX. It was mm-hmm. interesting, but I need to give it more time. Maybe rewatch it. Yeah. Films. I know. What was it? The Lighthouse is out this week. It's As in theaters when, now. When, yeah. When when this um when this episode's going is out. It's like October eighteenth. They released that, and I think uh, Parasite. Parasite is, bon Jun Ho. is out now. And Parasite is incredible. <laughs> Go see Parasite, everybody listening. It is the best movie of the year. Oh, man. Really? Completely unbiased opinion. Okay, yes. okay. I, I love that film so, 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 I've so I've been wanting much. to watch it for... So- oh, God. Okay, I need to watch it. Though. It should be playing. I, I'm not sure... Again, I'm not sure when this episode's going to go out, but it yeah. should either be playing at the Sif Egyptian or, or the Sif... Up is it a limited years. release right now, or...? Um, well, I mean, limited in the sense that I think it's only going to be playing at those theaters. I don't know if it's going to any, like, Regal or AMC yeah, yeah, or any, yeah, any big, yeah. at least not in the Seattle area. Hey, guys, this is Jim just editing the podcast. I'm completely wrong here. It's, play- it's playing everywhere. Go see it. Okay, enjoy the rest of the show. If there's any viewers, like, in, <laughs> in like, Around California or, yeah. or, or New York, then you'll likely have it everywhere, but... Seattle, we're a little little different that way. Yeah. But it's still it's still gonna be playing, I'm sure for a while. This the previous screening that happened the Saturday before it comes out was completely sold out. Oh really? Yeah. Yeah, it was jam-packed. Um Damn. so I highly, highly recommend you check out Parasite. And the Lighthouse too, because I've heard the Lighthouse is great. I, I haven't seen it right now, but And I guess I'm probably hyping up Uncut Gems because Safety Brother right. gang. Right. <laughs> <laughs> we need to talk about good times sometime. Oh yeah, no, that'd be that'd be really cool. That'd yeah. be another podcast for another time. But um, today I think we should just get into it. Yeah, we yeah. don't have a good enough segue. But <laughs> no, that's no, no, okay. we're talking about today's today's movie. Today's movie, Blind Spotting. 
Yeah. 2018 film released last year, if you're watching 2019. Mm-hmm. It's from... Let me die. Carlos Lopez Estrada? I don't... Which I believe it's his directorial debut, which 2018 was quite a year for directorial debuts. There was Blind Spotting, there was Sorry to Bother You. Oh, yeah, yeah. There was uh, A Star is Born. (laughs) There's so many notable directorial debuts. I feel like I missed a lot of stuff from last year. Eighth grade. But uh, I'm I'm happy I caught at least uh, Blind Spotting from last year. mm -hmm. It's definitely up there for me if I later make a list. Oh, yeah. Make make, Make a top 10. No, but I think Blind Spotting is a really special film in a lot of ways. I it was one of those where, I mean, just just due to the nature of it, is it is so eye opening. Mm, yeah, yeah. But yeah. also, I think it's notable not necessarily for what it's saying, but also for the way it's saying it. Because this is one of the most like seamlessly blended comedy dramas that I've seen in a long time. I would in agree. My with opinion. That. I think there's like a lot of. There's a lot they're working with thematically in blind spotting that I feel like is written and I guess constructed very well relative to like this is their first kind of writing credit I suppose for the for David Diggs who is also one of the lead actors and mm-hmm. then I I first heard of the film actually through like a Vice thing where they're talking about David Diggs and Raphael Casal the main actors like mm-hmm. oh the origins of how blind spotting was to be created, just like coming out of their childhood, and then this being a narrative that they wanted to focus on. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it essentially is from it's it's written and directed by Raphael Casal and David Diggs, who are both the lead the lead actors. And David Diggs is most is pretty well known for well his he's in the rap group Clipping, but he's also I didn't know that actually before watching this. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I don't know when I found out, but... Um, listen to their new album. <laughs> what is oh, that? yeah, that's, that's out. An that's Addiction out. to Blood? Or? I haven't listened to it yet, but um, I, I know it's out. I've heard it's like horrorcore, but it's, it's pretty good. It's a, it's a nice album. And I don't know if it's... Well, it, it has some themes as well shared with Blind Spotting that maybe we won't be able to touch on today, but... Mm-hmm. But, but also Hamilton. I didn't know Hamilton either. I feel like I, I came into Blind Spotting quite oblivious to like a lot of the context except for that one interview between Diggs and Casal where mm-hmm. they're talking about like what inspired them to write the film it's 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 very well acclaimed I suppose. oh yes it's it's one of the, it was it was a phenomenon <laughs> I'm just like going around running the knife around years. the kitchen just not sure how to dive into this cake but yeah yeah um but essentially the film follows David Diggs who's the main character, um, Colin, and essentially he's on probation and it's his last, last three days, days on yeah. probation. And essentially this, his, he, he has this experience where he on the way home cause he has a curfew at 11 PM. He's working. Yeah. Like just after work, he is on curfew and has to head home. Mm-hmm. There was just, what was it? Was he with, Miles, the when, when, when it happens, no. Oh when, no, no, when no. After, yeah, 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 yeah. Like heading back, he sees an officer-involved shooting, and the narrative of the movie kind of builds around that experience and how Colin is finding his way out of probation and then 
a lot of situations. It was, mm-hmm. I wouldn't try to summarize it as a slice of life kind of film, but it definitely feels a little bit like that, where there's elements of... You get a lot of elements of uh, Lehen, which deals with kind of similar uh, thematic concepts and also a oh, yeah, yeah. little bit of like do the right thing, mm-hmm. uh, movies like that. It's a little hard to talk about this movie as like... Without spoiling or... Or no, no, not necessarily without spoiling because I mean, we're, we're, this is a spoiler podcast, Ew. but yeah, yeah. Something that's better to experience. I don't know if you, should, you, you, you kids should watch this film first before listening. It's very good. I think... Coming in blind, the way that spotting. I initially... <laughs> you said the movie name. Coming in blind to blind spotting, for me personally, was very, very... I don't want to say interesting. It was a good experience because... What was it? The first time Casal says or calls one of the um, outsiders Portlandia, I just laughed my ass off. Because <laughs> I'm like, oh, God. I know, I know the type of people that they're talking about. Yeah. The the backdrop kind of of black blind spotting is around like Oakland, California, and mm-hmm. then I think thematically they try to focus on gentrification or just modern change in a certain sense to mm-hmm. the community that they live around. And personally, I think that was what brought me into the film on my first viewing. And I think there's a lot of interesting commentary if you wanted to just or to first analyze it in that sense. But then after I finished watching, I could definitely see a lot of elements of like, or not elements, but there's a lot of history and a lot of context around Oakland that would be very rewarding to any individual who knows about the community or perhaps has grown up around civil rights activism within California or in their own communities. There's a lot of moments in the film that try to touch on it. I think it's not to say that it's overtly subtle, nor that it's like overtly like it's very explicit in the way that it presents itself. It's, it's a very unsubtle message for you know for good reason because you're, mm-hmm. they're trying to bring attention to gentrification and police violence and um, and obviously in, it, issues of like institutional racism, all this stuff. Mm-hmm. But the way they go about telling it. They use really subtle mechanisms to do that. Even the, um, even the, the introduction. Title. Oh yeah, oh, the or, title or, sequence. Or. That too. No, the introduction of the film is basically the side by side, and it's they just it's juxtapose like panning shots of these two. Like it almost feels like separate entities, but they're both happening in the same time. They're both they're both happening in the same time, and they're really ha- happening in pretty much the same location of Oakland. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah so yeah, it's yeah. it's visually showing you like these are the I guess different. Worlds, I suppose. I don't. I don't. Do you know what you know? What I'm yeah, saying? yeah. And then I feel like well, it shows different parts of the same world, and then eventually, like it kind of coalesces into converges. the same. Yeah, yeah converges yeah. into the same sequence, which then just I think it gets transitioned by like a gavel hit, and then you get to hear more about the sentencing and the like procedural issues that mm, Colin is facing in the film. So he, you see this trial, and then. It transitions into modern day or mm. the the setting where he's in a car, <laughs> an Uber. <laughs> he's sitting in an Uber that's like hot boxed and oh god. But it's it's a very good start if you're looking at it in like from a very 
blanket cover idea of gentrification. Because the idea, the issue of gentrification and, I guess, displacement within like racial communities or just in America is, it's very complex. And I don't know if blind spotting is like the most well-equipped to address gentrification in its entirety, but it does do well certain aspects mm-hmm. of gentrification. There's like, I think... One thing that was interesting to me was a lot of the moving sequences that um, uh, Colin and Miles go through where they're doing their job and going into houses and moving out whatever isn't necessary. It's interesting how I think one or two of them were just filmed as long takes and you could see because I think with Colin's with um, Diggs' background as the main rapper for clippings, he uses like his rap style as a monologue in a certain way. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, it's kind of like, like it has a storyteller vibe to it that tries to encompass more around the situation than might be visually mm-hmm. present. And I think that was something that I really liked out of the film and I think was very unique about blind spotting. Yeah, no, I think, um, I think more overtly the movie is talking about police violence and, and racism in that way because mm-hmm. it, it's all the, the inciting event like we said was was he runs into Colin runs into as he's going on the way home a police, a police shootout and just witnesses that and that just like was traumatizing to him and then there's just a lot to do with that like on the there's on a the lot surface. Of, yeah there's then, a lot there, for him to digest of, throughout yeah, yeah. the film that you kind of see or that is shown through dream sequences and eventually mm-hmm. manifests itself in the physical forms very slowly as we learn more about Colin and what got him into the system, mm-hmm. into the institutions and what, or how he's coping with finally being able to leave probation mm-hmm. and being able to come back into the real world. I think there was like, what was it? When he went back to his house, like it's a very good sequence where he's in his family home and, I don't know. I feel like that's something that they didn't develop that could have been emphasized on, but it was good that it wasn't. The idea that when he went back to his family house and like, it's... There was no longer a place for him. Yeah, there's no longer a place for him. And I guess like his mom's husband or the people that were around his family home Mm -hmm. all were very like multicultural and very, very liberal leaning there was a joke not a joke but there was a line where like um one of the they're talking about one of the characters and how her room is as in she's gone off to teach eurocentric non-eurocentric studies off in another place and you get to see both the um colin and his mom do like fist bumps and it's Mm. it's such a nice subtle scene and then before that he's talking when we're talking about or when colin is talking about not being able to go to place talks about his criminal history and how that prevents him from being able to find a place, mm-hmm. being able to locate, like not really locate himself, but situate himself in Oakland after the crime that he com- is it would you, would you really call it a crime? Not really. He's a. They describe him as a convicted felon. That's true. Yeah. Yes. And like in in this situation when it's described, it's kind of mythologized, where it's like, because it comes. Right, it, it, it's it's presented it's a in this story. scene where it's like, oh, are you, are you that guy that did that thing? Was it right, the it's scorpion like a, killer, the, the scorpion 
Scorpion, Scorpion King, Scorpion King, Scorpion King. I think so. Yeah. Oh. Um, that <laughs> we'll get into that in a little bit, but oh, I really yeah. like the subtleties of what it's saying about gentrification. Like even him, and, even Colin and um, Miles. Miles's job is they're like a moving company, and so a lot of that is explored. With I, I'm thinking of this one scene in particular where they just had kind of have to clear out all this all this stuff. Yeah, from, from the old like from, from the old like abandoned house and he sees mm, the family he sees, picture. He sees the, the, the photo book and, and this oh, family yeah. that used to live there and how they're now like sort of cleaning up after at, like the deceased in a certain way. And, or just and like people. how how I guess just there wasn't like that their place was now gone, I guess. Mm. Or just maybe that they don't have a place in yeah, yeah, Oakland yeah. anymore. Right, is, there isn't a place for them anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I, that, not to say that it's relating, like, their identities as, I guess, marginalized, because I don't know much about the geography of California, but I know there's a certain, like, dichotomy that a lot of people understand, where, like, the hills of California are where all the more wealthier, typically white individuals would live. And then mm-hmm. down by the slopes, and I think Oakland is within this region, is where all the minorities and the working class where There's a very explicit difference between the types of people in California. And mm-hmm. I don't feel like I know enough about that history, or particularly about the history in Oakland, to get... Or to really have as much of an emotional impact to that as perhaps the direct the writers were thinking of and i think people who understand california or see california through its like maybe rose tinted lenses they can take blind spotting and try to use that to understand maybe the more human aspects of being around the city or just the Types of spaces that they that people would find themselves around California. No, it very much is like a, a love letter to Oakland. That it also is like a vessel to address some of these problems. I think for that, it's 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 really cool. Want to go into the Scorpion King? I think I feel like that comes in though at a weird point in the film because mm-hmm. I don't I don't want to say it's not tonally consistent. More so to the fact that it, the film is a little bit melodramatic, perhaps. Maybe some people might feel that blind spotting mm-hmm. tries to use melodrama in well, effect to like guide the narrative through like a windy river, windy river. I mean, I guess it depends on how you define melodrama. Like, is mm-hmm. is, is that like a negative thing for you? I I like melodrama. Okay. To be honest. From my personal view, I very, I I like melodrama just maybe because of like a lot of a lot of weeb stuff. Shout out to all you weebs out there. <laughs> but I think the melodrama in Blind Spotting is used very well. But some people might view it as like very, like there might feel some emotional whiplash through like you you go through like Miles and Colin. You go through like maybe one sequence with them joking around, having some really fun banter and then you just see like oh there's there's a baby with a gun and he's curious about the weapon and you don't know what's <laughs> going on and it's very tense and i think 
who is it? Who is it? Um, Mama Liz says it best. Like, I don't like no suspense films. And <laughs> Night Shyamalan. <laughs> oh, God. It's such, a, it's such a good... It's. I don't know if it's as self-referential as I'm thinking about it now, but it's definitely very, very, like, rewatchable, I could say. You mm-hmm. could watch it again and again, and there's a lot of aspects of the film that overlap or just become more present when you watch it again under like a different lens. Right. Well, I, this was maybe like my second and a half, third viewing of this movie. And <laughs> I, I, I knew what was happening in that one particular scene where, mm-hmm. where Miles's son has the, the gun. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so sorry if we're sort of just talking about random scenes and disjointedly, I, I would recommend that you watch this movie. Before yes. It's a good listen it, to this podcast. But. It's, it's best blind. Spotted, <laughs> <laughs> but um, but yeah, sorry, sorry that we're doing that. But oh God. I even though I knew that scene was coming, I was still just incredibly tense and anxious. They basically establish it as like a Chekhov's gun. It's very li- like I think Colin constantly like, or whenever Miles takes it out, the the phrase that he keeps bringing up, plausible deniability, mm-hmm. always comes to mind because, like. When you see a Shek or like when they establish like a Shekhov's gun in a film, the viewer, well, not really the viewer, like the characters almost deny its presence in a certain sense. Like just, it's, it's very comedic in those initial segments where Colin's like, oh, why do you need a gun? Like what, to what purpose did you have to get guns from, from our friend? And then you go into that scene and the tone completely shifts, even though you can kind of see it from a mile away. It's very, it's not subtle. Mm-hmm. The gun. Well, it's, 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 it's kind of this through line of like, oh, it's all fun and games until something happens. Mm-hmm. Like something that like, like that happens. And the way the movie sort of ebbs and flows through that, through those tones of, of comedy and drama, I think is, again, like pretty, pretty seamless. We see that again in, this uh, scheme, scene of the uh, of the Scorpion King, which I think we'll get into now, uh-huh. where it's essentially some customers come in and see uh, Colin, and they real they realize they they, they recognize or one yeah. of them recognizes him as this guy who worked at uh, as a bouncer at this uh, at this bar bar where there's an incident that night. He he starts going through like the story of it and. Tonally, the way he presents the whole story is very, like, it's very in high energy and it's very, like, excited about everything that just happened. Like, it's, it's a legend in a certain sense. But right, then, it's very, um, it's very, that's not the word I'm looking for. Uh, hyperbole? Not really hyperbole, but it's... It is, it is pretty hyperbolic. Yeah. It, it, like, it's, it, it, things, things are elevated to, the, to a point. He, he talks about... Um, I'm forgetting everyone's names again. He forgets how, he talks about uh, Miles. Oh, screaming how, about his dad I hate when he's my punching dad. him. Oh god! Um, which I that line gets me every time. But um. <laughs> <laughs> and just because of where it's placed in the film, it's almost like two thirds into the film where you've really gotten to know, like Colin's family, Miles's like relationships. You gotten to know, kind of like. A, uh, a map of mm-hmm. Oakland in a certain sense. Mm-hmm. Like, you, you get to know them, and then this story comes about 
how Colin got into his sentence, how he got convicted, mm-hmm. and then... Something that's very well, I guess, built up. It's never really explicitly revealed. Mm-hmm. There's there's hints of it. It talks about, like, fire and, and setting a millennial on fire or something like that. But. Yeah, 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 There's, like, hint, there's They leave breadcrumbs in a certain sense, mm-hmm. but it's never told in its entirety until the just, like, this random point in time where they just see him and as customers and mm-hmm. want to talk about his legendary act that got him you know in a lot of trouble right where he essentially just beats up this guy that was being incredibly rude and and distasteful mm-hmm. um and then miles joins in too but colin was the one that ended up getting arrested for it yeah and, and i think not only is that like pretty blatantly a comment on like institutional racism, but also there's like a lot of profile. Well, it's also, very explicit the profiling that happened. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but also, I, okay. I admittedly, I feel like a, a little bit weird as like a as like a white dude talking about this <laughs> sort of white splaining. Reading, all this, reading all it, this, in, reading it inside of the text. All reading this, it inside of the text. all this stuff. But um, but there's yeah. No, but I. It, I don't think again. I think I think. Oh, sorry to interrupt you. No, no, you. I think the that story or and, and the way that is framed is like one of the best scenes in, in the movie because it also kind of plays with the audience a little bit. Like, haha, isn't this this like fun scene and it's and it's funny, but mm-hmm. then Val cuts Val, Val the cuts end. and says, Yeah, all that is true, all that really happened and then all of a sudden the the music in the background stops, it shows that scene how it really was. And so it's like a, it's a very real thing that happened. Uh, and it's a very real thing for Colin, and it's like mm-hmm. they might v- view that view Colin as like okay, he he did all this crazy stuff, but also it's like Slick okay, that that's also like I guess his identity, like how people are viewing him, mm-hmm. and that goes into this whole idea of of blind spotting and why this movie is called Blind Spotting, where it talks about. Um, Seeing one thing but not the other. Yeah, they and they bring in some like social so social psychology like mm-hmm. discussion around the idea of blind spotting or just I don't want to call it just racial profiling, but it's uh, it's it's kind of syn- synonymous, I guess. Yeah, like the idea that well, there's a sequence afterwards. I think when like after Miles gets into a fight at one of the at one of their friends' parties, their friend who works, I think, in probably, like, a big tech... They say, they say Pandora. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, like, they, they mention some off, offhand comments, like, oh, the only three black people in this city, or what, what's... What you... Yeah. And then... And th- that whole... Uh, that house is, like, separated from, like, a lot of the... It's very distant. Yeah, yeah. It's not as if it was... You can see visually the contrast in the neighborhoods that they had to go through to get there. Like if you look at miles or like mile has miles, place has a, a, not really a stoop. Maybe it's just me being New York, but like not really a stoop, but more so like they have their corner store bodega. They have mm-hmm. a lot of community. The people around there all know each other, but mm-hmm. then you go over to, but you go over to this party and then it's just in like maybe an archetypical suburban kind of, well-off but very isolated neighborhood where, mm. you know, they get or 
not they, but Miles gets into a fight, which is how the film tries to show that dichotomy or the separation in a certain sense, the weird, like tense relationship between Colin and Miles after his arrest from the, the, the bar fight. And then up to this point when Val, Val's or Miles tries to talk him to like, Oh, Val never came to meet you in prison every week or other, other, I guess, kind of manipulative behaviors that mm-hmm. also get reflected in the dream when uh, Miles is seen as the prosecutor, I guess, in the like judicial case. Right. And there's, yeah. It's really interesting what it does with both uh, Collins, I guess, interpretation of that relationship and also the audience's interpretation of that relationship. Because mm-hmm. already Miles is sort of a... I wouldn't say problematic figure. He's he, he, uh, uh, he, 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 he certainly is. If you watch the film, you probably like. I mean, the first interaction basically with Miles after they get out of the car is him being mad at like the person who works at the new quick way. Like, oh, why would you you put meat in a fucking burger? Or right. Those types. Of, like, he's very not passive aggressive. He's very angry. Yeah, and that's has, kind of a blunt way to put it. He's very like hot-headed and not perhaps as as collected. Yeah, as collected yeah. as Colin mm-hmm. when it comes to a lot of the situations that Well, and it, it brings a lot of tension not only for their relationship but also for his disposition because he 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 wants to stay out of trouble uh-huh. as much as possible. He wants to stay away from the fact that he is a convicted convicted felon which is something that will follow him. And there's you know, that but, underlying narrative of like their racial difference, right. despite growing up and knowing each other, like there's definitely that kind of implicit bias that com- that Colin is trying to avoid mm-hmm. with his identity, right. that Miles doesn't particularly see. You like, you could call it white privilege, and I think it definitely is present. If you wanted to go down mm-hmm. that type of critical race theory interpretation, that. The relationship between Colin and Miles, you could go down, or I guess upon repeat viewings, that's how I felt, is that there's a lot, because there's a lot that the film takes, depending on the type of lens that you want to take on, like, gentrification and, like, the racial class issues that are surrounding all the characters or kind of thematic about blind spotting. There's a lot of perspectives you can take. You can go in it looking very specifically on like the type of racial divide that is perpetuated around the Oakland area. And then you could also see the entire film through a Marxist lens where you try to understand a lot of the class divide and but maybe some more than others, especially with Right, there's certainly a lot there, and in terms so, of in terms yeah. of the the class divide, that's something that's a lot more subtle than, and a lot less upfront mm-hmm. than the. the it's not the like racial sorry to bother you, I suppose. Where Boots Riley, in his context of being like, anarcho, is it anarcho capitalist? Um, I thought I, I know thought he, I know Boots Riley considered himself a communist. I'm yeah, I know entirely. he's anti-capitalist. Yeah, but it's not quite like blind spotting. I think is a lot more involved with. The types of racial. It, it, it's, it is kind of like the inverted "sorry to bother you," where "sorry to bother you" was very much like class, at very its, explicit, at its, very explicitly class at its at its forefront, mm-hmm. and, and then 
sort of in the undertones, it's about like racial identity and, and, and racial politics and all that stuff. And then at the forefront of this, it's, it's all the racial stuff. And then in the background is all the gentrification stuff. But I think mm. the, the gentrification stuff is still equally as important. There's a lot of really subtle lines uh, throughout the entire thing or, or subtle parts of it, I guess. There's when Miles is talking with his wife about sending his son to oh his, to the multi not multicultural the, the bilingual bilingual the, school the, the bilingual <laughs> uh, preschool uh-huh. and how it's like two hundred dollars more expensive a month which first of all I, I can't even imagine paying all that for a preschool yeah but. well <laughs> and then like what was it what was he saying like just send him to the preschool on the corner right in a in a I forget what what location they said but it's it's outside of their current location yeah 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 which just further demonstrates this this divide that the movie has been there's, talking Yeah, there's about. like a lot of geographic space in mm-hmm. between like the types of, or yeah, there's just a lot of space. Mm-hmm. But and I think also, no, it, it goes with that whole thing of, um, of privilege and, and, ra- and ra- racial profile, if I could talk, racial profiling. Yeah. Uh, it, that's explored especially through the relationship of, of Colin and Miles. And at the end, in the end scene, Colin says this line, you, you you might think you know what's happening, but you don't feel it like we do. To feel it, it has to be you. And he's talking to the police officer, but I, th- mm. I feel like it's also indirectly talking to Miles because Miles... He's behind him in the whole sequence while right. he's facing the police officer holding his Right, gun. And, and this whole time, uh, Colin has been sort of facing this predicament about... Uh, how just just how he's being viewed and yeah also, it's like a, a black man in, yeah 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 and in it, modern society if we want to be very broad mm-hmm. but but also like how his relationship how potentially volatile his relationship with with Miles is and how Miles is is doing all this negative stuff and not getting any attention for it like at mm-hmm. the um at the one party, he gets in a fist fight and knocks the guy unconscious, and he has no repercussions for it. Yeah, well, it's not because I wouldn't say explicitly that it's as a result of some prejudice that was developed around that situation, but not necessarily. But the I film think, doesn't I think, really go into that for sure. But there is truth in the idea that Miles doesn't see any consequence out of that fight. You don't... Right. Compared to... What was it? When the when they're on the, watching the news and the police officer is mm-hmm. being reported for shooting... shooting an unarmed black person. Mm-hmm. And he, he... Miles, like, clearly doesn't know how it feels to be Colin, to be a black person in America. There's a lot of... There's a lot of slang that they throw around that Colin tries to ask Miles about and kind of confront him just because you know Colin has to deal with the repercussions of his identity and his skin color that is imposed by others but Miles doesn't really seem to get it throughout the entire film and it doesn't Mm -hmm. feel as if after that sequence and to the rest of the film it doesn't feel as if that gets resolved and I think a lot of it just goes down to how the viewer wants to understand the ending sequence as they drive off. Mm-hmm. Because I don't feel like... As we were mentioning earlier with the gentrification and a lot of the 
themes that blind spotting tries to focus on. I don't think the film is really able to go as deep as it wants to through the characters and through the setting that it has because of how broad the entire issue is. How, how broad and how multifaceted it is. Yes, there's a lot of dimensions to mm-hmm. the issue of gentrification. There's a lot of dimensions to racial prejudice and profiling in it's, it, policing. It, and they're really complicated issues. Gentrification especially is a really complicated issue to really get into, which I think it's, I think it's probably a better idea that they that they chose to go with like the I guess the uh, the police violence lens and the or to have that framing the circumstances right. around right, right, the right. characters yeah 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 and it's a it's I think it does a good job balancing uh, all those ideas for such a, a a short movie it's only around 90 hour and a half ish yeah 95 minutes long and it's 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 jam packed it's got great pacing um it's a stressful watch at points. Again, getting into that melodrama, I guess, but mm-hmm. I, it's just a really. It's a nice. Nice to see. <laughs> it's a nice movie. Nice to see. <laughs> and I don't want to, like. I feel like I should be sugarcoating it because I really do like blind spotting for what they try to cover and a lot of the ways that. How effective they are in certain points. Because it's not as if the entire film, I suppose, is as consistent as. Or as thematically focused as we would like to see. I think the phrase at the end, when um, or during one of the sequences when um, when Colin is saying like, "Oh, spot both sides. I am both." Mm-hmm. Like, I think that could go into interpreting the film in its own right, where there's definitely an entire perspective and like a very. I guess left left leaning ideology that's trying to be focused on in blind spotting. Oh, for sure. But there's a, I think as we were talking about earlier too with um, sorry to bother you. There's there's a whole other side that you could look at the film in, mm-hmm. and depending on which perspective you want to take the events that are presented towards you, whether or not they are very focused on one narrative over the other, I think blind spotting knits it all together very well if you're just going to watch it once or if you're if you're really interested in like breaking down a lot of the scenes and being very critical about the film it's got a lot to chew on mm-hmm. for people who want to watch i think it's got room for hours of conversation if you really want to delve into every single issue that it that it brings up yeah and it's, I don't know, there's some very good sequences. Unfortunately, we, we, we have a time curfew, so... You know, I think I think this movie puts up... This was a pretty common trend for 2018 films. It's... Like, like, like post-Trump, post, post Trump, I guess. Like the whole, very political. Whole, very, very political and holding up a lens to a lot of America's issues. A lot of America's, I guess... A lot um, of, like, lived experience. Like, phenom- phenomenon and those types of issues that are being experienced... And are like trending topics, things to talk about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, th- I think this movie will prov- like once you've seen. I think you should see it with like a group of people. It's a good. Uh, it's a good crowd film. I wouldn't like you can watch it alone, but it's also a pretty good crowd film. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of good one-liners. There's a lot of solid like scenes that you can really discuss about for sure. With friends for sure. or just you know watch on your own and enjoy. I think Personally. I think it's it's really I, I said earlier how this movie sort of plays with the audience a little bit because it's a comedy but it's also 
designed to make you feel uncomfortable and to make you think and to make you talk about what it's what is being presented. It's hard. To it's hard to not talk. It's more a, about like the things around blind spotting, and that's right. There's good. so much associated with with it that it's that it's talking about that. Mm-hmm. I think this movie's fantastic. It was on your top ten last year, right? It was on my top ten last year. But yeah, do, I guess do you have any closing thoughts about it? Uh, go. I don't. Where where can you watch Blind Spotting right now? I know the UW Library's got like a DVD for it, but. <laughs> um. Was it? I. I mean, I already owned a Blu-ray copy of it, but. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. It might. Let's see. <laughs> it might just be on digital for now. Is. Uh, it's expensive. What the heck? It's a $10 film. That What the heck? Not on Netflix, I don't think. No, it's on Amazon Prime, YouTube, Google Play, and Vudu from 10 bucks. That's a lot. I mean, it's worth it because this is a it's great a good. It's a good film, but, and there's a lot of... But we're all college students, presumably, so... We, we pinch in pennies around this parts. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I highly, highly recommend checking out this movie. Uh, it's a it's a great conversation starter. And it's a good film. It is a really it's a very good, good movie. I I'd be interested to see what would be coming up from this director. Yeah, no, I think I think it's a very very interestingly very well directed. This Apparently, he's also directed an episode of Legion. Really? <laughs> yeah, episode I think I don't know. But yeah, I'd be interested to see more from this oh, he directed. He directed. Um, Billy Eilish. A Billy Eilish music video. He directed a, a Father John Misty music video. Not bad guy, but. <laughs> What's that? Not bad guy. The most iconic one, but. Oh yeah, yeah when the party's yeah, yeah. over. But I think yeah, go watch Blind Spotting. Yeah. Very good film. Very yeah. good film. I agree. You can check out our Facebook page at Utah Film Club and our. Instagram and Twitter page at Film Club UW. And then you can check out our podcast on SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Music, and Google Play. Thank you once again, Thomas, for joining us. Thank you for bringing me on for Blind Spotting. It was great. It's been a while, yeah. Yeah. Well, what, what other podcasts had you been on before this? Uh, never really had much podcasting experience, but I'm just, I just, I just talk. <laughs> well, I hope that. This was a good first experience for you. Yeah. yeah. And uh, we'll catch you guys next week. Oh, wait. You meant like you did a podcast before? Yeah. I did Attack the Block. Oh. From last year. It was like early on. Oh. Attack the Block is also very I, good. I don't know if I listened to that one, actually. That was before my time. <laughs> before Jim became podcasters. Uh, <laughs> when, our, when, our, when our good boys, Greg and Louie, were still around. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Miss Shout them. out to them. Miss them. Listening. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> once, once again I'll catch you guys next week bye bye see ya